You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back to Huddle Up, a football podcast. I'm Tony. Joined by Corey, as always. Welcome back, Corey. What's going on? Uh, nothing's going on. Daniel's on another vacation. Um, you know what's sad is that when you and I are on the podcast, it's because we're working or we're getting married. or we're on a, uh. You know, it's like something's actually happening. Daniel's on his 14th vacation of the year, which is pretty impressive, honestly. No, it's a huge feat. Just you know, just the just the balls to ask for that many vacations well, from work, and the you know, and the the reality is, we all get together like we're all in the same room every single week. So I can totally understand. Like when you're on vacation, man, you gotta you gotta you gotta be gone. You can't be in the room with us, right? It's, I mean, how are you gonna do a podcast when you're not in the same room with us? Yeah, I'm just kidding. We're not in the same room. We do this from the comfort of our own homes with the luxury of the internet. And Daniel's not on his 16th vacation. He's going to listen. I'm sorry. Not sorry. It's probably his like fifth vacation. Daniel likes to count his weekends as though they're not vacations, even though he's going to Michigan or Kentucky or Colorado. That's not the point. That's not the point. That's not the point. Welcome back. Huddle Up, the football podcast. We're going to get back to our roots a little bit today. We don't have a... We're just going to talk about what's going on in the NFL. That's what we started with. That's what we're going back to. We had a couple of other ideas before the show, but we decided that it was best to just talk about what's going on. Tom Brady has hired a divorce attorney. That's apparently that's what he was talking about when he said, when he said that shit was going down and like he couldn't be at practice for a couple of weeks, like he actually had shit going on and everybody was right on the internet. Him and Giselle are getting divorced. I saw online estimated net worth for, for Giselle was like, 400 million an estimated net worth for Tom Brady was like 200 million. I think both of those numbers are completely fucked. Like I don't think either of them are right, but I can imagine that there's some like actual real shit going on in the Brady household right now where they've got some stuff to figure out. Um, Corey, do you think this is how different is this from like a normal divorce? I guess is it different or is it just the same with more money? Well, it's, it's definitely different. It's more of like a, like a business sale, I'd imagine. And you don't, I guess we don't know like what, you know, what they, when they got married, I'm sure there were some sort of agreements. Maybe there weren't, maybe this, you know, they're just doing it like everybody else does. I don't know, but definitely very interesting. It's, it's interesting that he missed time in camp for this. If that's what happened. Um, I would think Tom Brady would be a guy, you know, He's always been just, you know, a hard worker. He's there. If he's if he's playing football, he's playing football, and he's going to get it done. <clears throat> I think it's interesting that he missed training camp for this, if that's what happened. So, obviously, pretty big deal. Um, he hasn't played great this year. I don't have the Bucks record in front of me. But I know the first few weeks, they kind of they looked a little rough, and, you know, maybe you can attribute that 
uh, him missing some uh, some time. I know they they won their first two games. I've got it here, but it was nineteen to three, twenty to ten is a little bit of a struggle, and they've lost their last two to Green Bay and KC. So they're beating the lower teams, losing to the better teams. Um, they they don't look as good as they have in the past. Was Mike Evans suspended uh, in the Green Bay game? I think he was suspended there. No, it was the, uh, the Saints game, I want to say. Uh, no, hold on. No, uh, fuck. I think it was the Green Bay game. I think Could've that been. was. I think that part of the production issues we're having out of Brady is he's got this, like, we take this this wide receiver room for granted because it's fucking elite. Like, I don't think there's a better, we did a show a couple of years ago, the best wide receiver rooms. We did one for the best uh, running back rooms. Maybe that's something we can talk about, but I think, I think it, without having a whole podcast about it, I think it's safe to say that Tampa Bay's got the best wide receiver group in football when they're all there when they're all on the field, all healthy. Um, I mean, I think they're far and away the best wide receiver group, but between Julio Jones getting hurt, Mike Evans getting suspended, Chris Godwin coming on slow. He didn't play a first couple of games. There's not been a lot of consistency there. And I think that is important, especially for a guy like Brady who is so regimented and who is so now I'm not saying he can't play backyard ball, but I think that's part of what made Brady special in New England with, of course, he had Randy Moss, right? We can talk about that. But there were several years where it was like Gronk was a guy, Edelman was a guy, but there wasn't a a group of studs. Like it was one stud at a time. Now he's got a whole mess of them. Um, What my point is, what I'm trying to say is, even those guys that weren't studs, they did their job. They were in the spot they were supposed to be, and he got them the ball. He won the game. I feel like there's been so much inconsistency with, you know, we're going to talk about Cole Beasley in a minute, um, but there's been Russell Gage, there's been Cole Beasley. We can name a bunch of wide receivers that have been on the field catching balls. Um, None of them named Rob Gronkowski, by the way, and I think that's relevant too. You know, I think that has, this is the first year, is this the first year that Tom Brady hasn't played with Rob Gronkowski? Uh, Probably. I mean, I'm sure there are some injury years, but. Yeah, I mean, I think that matters. I think that really does matter. I feel like, you know, you and I are, are, are both top performers in a different industry. It's not football. And there's a lot of times that I, can't, uh, that I can't relate to football. But I think this translates really well. When you're a top performer in anything, uh, and there's stuff that goes on in your life that would be, let's just call it negative, a divorce with your wife, uh, worry about your children. He's got young children, Right. When you've got shit that's going on in your life and you get back to that thing that you have mastery of, football for Tom Brady, every time he steps on the field, there's a switch that can be turned off. It's something special that happens when you hit that level of mastery where everything else disappears. It literally doesn't matter that you have a wife. I bet that Tom Brady doesn't think about his wife or his children for a fucking second while he's on the football field. I just don't think he does. I think he's going to be able to turn this off. I think we're going to, honestly, I think when you reach that level, these things fuel you. I'm not trying to say there's going to be some revenge Brady or something like that, but there's something innate about internal drama and struggle. And when you get to your art, which to Tom Brady, football is art. When you get back to your art, those dramas fuel you. I think they make you better. And it's not, it's, it's probably toxic. I don't think it's necessarily healthy, but I think it's the way of things. I expect that we're going to see the best Tom Brady we've ever seen. 
and and part of that is going to be because the wide receiver room is slowly coming back to normal. Do, are you? Do you think this is out of line? Do you think this is crazy? Uh, I mean, I don't doubt that. You know, this could, I can see this fueling him and definitely making a run this year. Uh, we do have to remember at the same time, <laughs> we thought he was old two, three, four years ago. He's even older now. So, you know, there there is a chance that he is actually falling off. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think you're right about the switch. I think when he's on the field, nothing else. That stuff's not going to affect him when he's on the field. But I do think him missing uh, time in camp could have an effect on the field. So <clears throat> we'll see what happens there. Did you know that Tom Brady has said that Giselle is a witch? What? And that there's there's people who think Giselle is a witch. What do you mean? Does he mean a real witch or is he just saying that she's an asshole? I no. I, I think like more on the border of real witch. Like a voodoo doll witch? <laughs> yeah. I dude, our people at work were talking about this today. It's a fucking thing. I have never heard that. Maybe it is a thing. I didn't So here that. here I found an article. I'll just skim through it real quick. Um he talks about, she. all right, here's a quote. She put together a little altar for me that I could bring with pictures of my kids, and I have all these little special stones, healing stones, protection stones, and she has me wear a necklace and take these drops she makes, and I say all these mantras he elaborated. What? Drops? I don't know, dude. He said, I saw a question a long time ago. I just shut up and listen. Uh, he was like, I think it's kind of crazy. And then about four years ago, we were playing the Seahawks and she said, you better listen to me. This is your year, but this is all the things you, uh, you're going to have to do to win. And I did all those things and by God, it worked. And then in 2015, he asked her again and she said, this is not going to be your year. And of course we lost. So, and then in 16, he asked her again, she said they'd win and they won. So... <clears throat> Some weird things going on here, bro. Some weird things going on going are, on here. Are they documented? Are these documented events, or is he smearing her? This is um, after Brady and the New England Patriots defeated the Rams in the Super Bowl in 2019. Brady described his wife as a witch in 2019. Oh, wow, that's documented. Do you think the witchcraft could have anything to do with the divorce? No. Uh, actually, okay, not the question I thought you were going to ask me, so I responded without listening to the question. I apologize. If Tom Brady believes that Giselle believes she's a witch, then yes. I think it'd be very reasonable to say enough is enough. <laughs> you are not a witch. I'm out. <laughs> because I don't believe or, that witches are real. Or, you know, he retired. She's like, this is your time to retire. And he's like... You know, he's kind of sitting there. He's like, I don't, th I don't think I want to fucking retire, even though the witch is telling him this is the time for him to retire. And he's like, fuck it. I'm not listening to the witch this time. I'm playing football. And then, you know, do you I, think I can see, I can see a rift there. Do you think there's a chance that he stayed with her so long because he was afraid she might eat the children? It, I mean, at this point, okay. I think I think we're gonna find out a lot more about this. I don't know about Giselle being a witch. This is news to me. Um, clearly, it's not news to you. And apparently, I'm just in the dark. But let's it, set this aside. I was in the dark until today, honestly. Let's set this one aside. Um, and I, I will look into more about these. Uh, I didn't know about so much dirty laundry. I didn't realize that was a thing. But maybe it is. Maybe it is. 
Uh, Corey, you wanted to talk about, there was a college game you had put on the list. Uh, Ohio State with a fake punt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll try to I'll try to describe it real quick. If you know, we, we don't talk about college football a lot, right? Um, and I think the reason being is we don't pay attention a lot to college football. We do when the draft comes around. Um, and the problem is we we all work on Saturdays, so we don't have no, time to watch no, no, college no. football. You all work on Saturdays. Okay, you don't work on Saturdays. Anyways, Ohio State was playing Rutgers this weekend. Ohio State's a top five team in the country. They were 39-point favorites against Rutgers going into this game. Uh, and at the nine-minute mark of the fourth quarter, Ohio State lines up to punt. And the ball snapped to the punter. The punter takes off to the right, gets the first down. Um Oh, I apologize. Ohio State was up 39 at this point. So the spread was 39. Ohio State's up 39, and they fake this punt. Punter runs out of bounds, and dude from Rutgers, while he's out of bounds, just comes in and obliterates him on the Ohio State sideline. Um, A scuffle ensues. Chaos breaks out. The Rutgers coach comes across the field, gets into it with the Ohio State coach. I don't know either of their names. Sorry, either of their names. Uh, the players thrown out, the Ruggers players thrown out, and both coaches are flagged. Absolute chaos. And I love the fact that this Ruggers player just took out the punter. I mean, what what do you expect to happen at this point in the game? I understand, you know, the if if you want to if you're gonna stop us from scoring, stop us, but what do you expect? You took off, you're gonna get laid the fuck out. Yeah, and I watched it. I watched the play multiple times. And in full speed, it looked egregious. Like, in full speed, it looked totally out of line. Deserves to be kicked out. But then they showed it in slow motion. Truth is, he wasn't really that far out of bounds. It wasn't that nasty of a hit. I don't think it's... I think it's one of those things where two guys were moving at full speed. And honestly, he kind of, like, checked him. Like, I know you guys can't see my body, but he, like... Twist the defender, like twisted his body a little bit and just like bonked him, bonked him really hard. But it wasn't like a wrap him up. It wasn't a vicious hit. He didn't lower his helmet. He didn't do anything um, egregious. I don't think he should have been ejected from the game for this. But I also think that I don't, I don't, I don't agree with what you're saying. Like the guy was out of bounds. And although from my level, not being a semi-professional athlete, I may have done the same thing and hit him because I don't know how to turn it off. I feel like I would Mm -hmm. expect this wide receiver, the defender, to know that the guy was far enough out of bounds to let it go. Does does that make sense? I understand what you're saying, but I think it was egregious. I think he knew the guy was out of bounds. I mean, the punter was on his way out. Like, there's no reason to hit him. He, He knew what he was doing. He laid him out on purpose. And I'm not saying it's justified or... That it was good that he did it, but I do love the fact that he did it. Do you, so do you not love that Ohio State did the fake punt? Because I love that they did um, the fake punt. I'm okay with them doing the fake punt, but at the same time, if you're going to run the fake, the fake punt, just know you might get fucking rocked. Okay. <laughs> like, it, it, like I, I think both sides were okay. Like, I'm okay with both sides of this. And, you know, and originally I thought I would disagree with you more, but look, I looked at it multiple times, and in slow motion, their, their like, point of impact, like, I mean, these guys were going to collide anyway. I guess why the hell not hit him full speed? I guess, it, I, mean, I, guess I don't know. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think I don't know I how he much probably, he could have done to stop it. I really don't know how much he could have done to stop it. I he, think he was going to hit I, him no matter what. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. I think he did pull up a little bit at the last second just to not kill the guy, but he definitely meant to hit him. I mean, he knew it was like he had to have. And I, I love I, running up I'm, the score, though. The more I think about it, and I didn't used to love this. I used to, this is going to maybe come as a surprise to you, Corey, because I used to be the fair sport, and when you're winning by 30 points, just kick the ball. But no, fuck that. They're going to try to score a touchdown. Why can't you try to score a touchdown? Right? Absolutely. I'm why, okay with why that. Why the fuck not? I, I don't know which I saw. I'll tell you why the fuck not. is because your punter might get fucking knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> and he may not play for the next three weeks. I guess that's, that's true. Why you, that's why you don't do it. I guess your quarterback might, might get his leg snapped. I guess that's there might, true. You know, uh, another player on the other team might get thrown out too and maybe not play a few games. But you might lose your quarterback. I guess that's fair enough. It was still fun play. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I love the drama. The, the drama there, I thought, was a hell of a lot of fun. Speaking of getting your leg snapped, a um, couple of weeks ago, we thought we watched a player get his head snapped, and we talked about it on the show. Are you good to move on from the college play? Yeah. Tua Tungavailoa. I did it that time with no assistance. Tua Tungavailoa. We got to talk about it. So have we met since the last hit? The Thursday night. No, we didn't because that was Thursday night oh. football. Yeah. So clearly everybody knows what happens with Tua, right? We can all still see him laying on the ground with his hands involuntary, frozen. And it was, it was awful. And first of all, before we even get into this, the Thursday night prime broadcast, like the people in charge of the cameras, like fuck them because the cameras were stuck on Tua in that this position for way too long, like way too long, like long enough to make everybody sick to their stomachs long enough that I thought for a second that we watched a man absolutely like, like I thought we were watching him die in front of us when in reality, he just had a concussion again, which could have been killing him by the way. But anyway, sure. first of all, I just want to say, fuck that. Next time a player gets hurt so gruesomely, can we like show it for a second? Like, I want everybody to like, no, like. I kind of want to know, you know, like there's that morbid curiosity where like, oh, he got fucked up. But then when you leave it on him the whole time and he's just stuck there paralyzed in whatever's going on in his brain and his spine, like, fuck that. Okay. I just want to say that. Anyway, apparently we were all right. And last Sunday, Tua did have a concussion when he was wobbling around like a newborn deer, unable to hold himself up with mommy fawn carrying him off to the sidelines. It wasn't a back injury. It was a fucking head injury. And now here we are. Here's the problem with the two injury. Sunday, right? Now, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, four days later, he's back on the football field getting hit full speed by men as heavy as fucking small smart cars now. Right? I mean, these, these collisions are car crashes. What has happened? Corey, you had mentioned... In the last show, I want you to take this because <clears throat> we've been different here uh, in the past too. But you had mentioned before that when you go through the boxes, if you can play, then let him play, right? Sure. Tell me your thoughts on Tua. Um, <clears throat> I mean, for so yeah, we got to rewind a bit, right? So this all started Sunday against the Bills. Um, he gets hit and he's walking back to the line of scrimmage and he stumbles. 
I mean, everybody could see it. I mean, it, it was a head injury, right? Like, so there something something happened, and they they fired the independent doctor. Um, absolutely, he shouldn't have been cleared to play, right? Something something went wrong, and he was cleared to play, and that, that's where the issue lies. So I know in the group text we were all texting, um, and I just made the point that hey. He was fucked up on Sunday. He played on Thursday, and now he's real fucked up. There's going to be some issues. And sure enough, um, the doctor got fired. I already mentioned that. And there's there's now going to be an investigation, and Tua will be interviewed for that. I don't know a whole lot of details on it, but there is an investigation now. So we'll see how it all pans out. Uh, somebody else had a – oh, I don't remember. Oh, Darius Leonard got injured for the Colts on Sunday. He got rocked for any fire. Somebody was like, is he going to play Thursday? I was like, there's no chance. He, no chance. He's playing on Thursday. Well, he broke his it, nose, I too. I don't care if he gets his nose bionically replaced and he passes the gold standard of concussion protocol. There's no way he's hitting the field with a full 100% bill of health. It just ain't going to happen. So, yeah, it was absolutely wild. Um, by the way, the guy that threw him on the ground, oh, hell, I'm looking at the wrong team because – I had Buffalo pulled up. It was the Bengals. It was a uh, defensive tackle. Tapua. Is that his name? Tapua? Um, 6'3", 340. Tupo. Tupo, I think it would be called. Tupo. Tupo, maybe. Maybe Tupo. Uh, 6'3", 240, slings him to the ground. It, in slow-mo, it doesn't look bad, but in, you know, in fast motion, he got whipped to the ground, definitely hit his head. Um, I will say I wasn't in the, you know, career ending injury panic mode. Like a lot of people were just because the, because the limbs did lock up. I, that means there was some sort of communication from, you know, the head to those limbs for that to happen. So I, I figured he wasn't paralyzed cause there was still some communication going on. There it was, you know, a reaction to the concussion. So I wasn't that worried about it. Uh, I watched a lot of UFC Dudes get knocked out and all kinds of crazy stuff happens to their body. Um, but definitely very scary when it happened. As far as the camera being on them, I'm 50 I'm 50 on that. Obviously, you want to have 50 some 50 50 on it. I mean, I want to see it. Let's call it what it is, right? So, like, yeah, yeah. As a fan, like, yeah, like just show it to me. Like, this is the reality. This is a sport we're playing. Show it to me. On the other end of it, you got to have a little, little respect for the player. You don't want to, you know, have the whole world just watching Correct. them, you know, struggle, yeah. you know. So yes. I agree. I, c- I couldn't believe the camera was still on him. Usually, you it know, was as soon as after much. about two or three seconds of that clip and the broadcasters see it, they'll go, all right, we're going to break. Yep. And that happens, So and that didn't happen, which is very interesting, which as a fan, I don't hate. And, you know, it's hard to watch, but it's the reality of the game, right? You know, it's part of it. So and there is, you know, there's part of us that wants to see it, unfortunately. There, there is a part of us that's curious. I mean, that's that's fair. There's a curiosity, uh, and I agree. It just went too. It went on too long. You know, it just went on too long. So to touch on a couple of things, the the 2020 collective bargaining agreement says that the sideline UNC, that's the doctor in charge of this this concussion protocol that we're talking about, may present their own questions or conduct additional testing that will assist in the diagnosis or treatment of concussions. They, they're allowed, they don't have to check the boxes, right? There's not like this specific list of things that they have to ask. How many fingers am I holding up, as Pat McAfee said, right? Uh, they're, they're allowed to ask their own questions. So th- this doctor was fired, from what I understand, not because of the nature of his assessment, 
but, but, but because of his reaction to the NFLPA's investigation, he seemed, it sounded like he was super defensive. I don't know. I don't, that's, that's where, like, I have a lot of questions is like, why did he clear Tua? Because clearly he wasn't fit to play and he was allowed to present his own questions. And then when questioned about them, I feel like, Corey, when you or I in our professional environment make a mistake, we explain what we were thinking, we own our responsibility, and we pay the price. It sounds like this guy wasn't willing to do that. Like, this guy's the doctor. This guy knows more than everybody. Well, that doesn't fucking work that way. Like, this guy allowed a, a newborn gazelle back onto the field to slaughter in front of the lions. And so that's the reason why he's gone. The NFL and the NFLPA have recently agreed to new, they've amended uh, the protocol. And so now any player who shows those symptoms, those, I call it newborn deer symptoms, where you're physically have, they call it gross motor instability, where you can't control your body anymore. They're being removed from the game, period. You can't get back in. It's over. I think that's the right move. I think when you see gross motor instability, it's not because your arm hurts. You limp or you, you limp when your arm hurts or when your leg hurts. You don't stumble around the field and fall over and have to get picked up by four people twice because your arm hurts, right? Right. So good. I think something good's come from this. I hope that Tua's long-term health is not affected. Uh, I hope that we get lucky because this team has been really, really exciting with Tua. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Something real quick on the doctor is he's probably also he, the NFL probably isn't that guy's only job. So, you know, he as a doctor, you're kind of like an in, a lot of times you're like an independent contractor and, you know, you have a whole reputation to uphold. You are your own business. So I'm sure his reaction was more of a, you know, he might have had a lawyer involved and his lawyer said, this is, you know, this is what we're going to do. You know, he's got a reputation to uphold. So, well, I think he probably, I think he really, why we got that. I think well, he, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Bad but advice. it's probably damage, damage control. Um, yeah. Bad advice. I, I'm not saying that he's in the right, but that's probably what happened. Let's do, uh, let's do one more, Corey. You want to talk about one more? Sure. What you got? Um, we got Cole Beasley on here. He retired after two games. That's whatever. He's probably just, he knows he's probably washed. Um, I think another big one is probably the J.J. Watt. Um, he sent out a tweet. It was Sunday morning, right? And yeah. he got out. And he, I love that he did it, too. He got out in front of his news that was going to break. Um basically saying that he had an AFib on Wednesday. His The tweet was literally, I had an AFib Wednesday, got my heart zapped back to normal beat on Thursday, and I'm playing on Sunday. And he said, that's it. Um, but the big part, I think, is post-game press conference, he was super emotional. Uh, he was talking about how he's got a baby boy on the way. They've been doing ultrasounds, you know, every few weeks for the baby. And on Thursday, they were doing an ultrasound on his heart. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of things are going through his mind. Not only, hey, maybe it's my career over, but am I going to die and never be able to see my son? Um, just, you know, a lot of emotions there, which kind of hits home. But um, he played football, which, I, you know, I don't know the extent of the situation. It sounded like when he was up there talking about it, that, an a, you know, an AFib is 
Here, I have a definition here. It's an irregular and often very rapid heart rhythm that could lead to blood clots in the heart. AFib increases the risk of stroke, heart failure, and other heart-related complications. Uh, but he said it's something that could show back up tomorrow or he may it may never happen again for the rest of his life. So um, just, it, you know, as serious as it sounds, he played on Sunday and is it, it's pretty wild. I like, And he got out in front of his... In front of his drama there. It's been wild. He said, I've had injuries before. I've had surgeries before, but I've never been nervous. I've never been scared of anesthesia. I've never been scared of surgery. I've never been scared of pain. So when they told me they were going to put me out and they were going to shock my heart, I was scared. I mean, imagine being a gladiator. J.J. Uh, Watt's a gladiator, like a modern day. Sure. Like, put him in the cage to fight a lion. Like, that's what we're talking about with J.J. Watt. Um, I mean, imagine feeling mortal for the first time in your life. And just imagine it. Um, right. They're talking about surgery. They are talking about surgery for J.J. Watt. There's a long article to read at azcentral.com. If you're interested in this, I think you should look at it because it's a really interesting article. But, yeah, um, this, this might not be a one-time thing for him. And they may have to go in and make some kind of correction. I don't know. Do you think this is going to affect J.J. Watt? I mean, I don't I don't know enough about it. I don't know. He said, like I said, he said it could happen tomorrow. It could never happen again. Um, and, you know, I'm not in the situation. But I think if I were him and I'm, if I was already cleared to play Sunday, I'd probably just roll the dice. But... I don't know. I, I feel like if you're doing heart surgery at his age, I mean, how old is he? He's, he's been in the league forever. He's been, he's an absolute hall of famer. He's 33 years old. If he, I think if he has heart surgery, he's probably done. I'd imagine. I, I that's, that's just what I think. I'm looking right now at something called an abolition procedure. It'll fix the cells in his heart that are misfiring. And a doctor has recommended to Watt that he should consider having it. It's performed 100,000 times a year. And although the patient must be treated with blood center thinners for two months afterwards, he suggests having it done now. He suggests that, doc that Watt would feel tired for a couple of weeks after surgery, but that he would recover fully and the timetable would be less than one month. Wow. So don't be surprised if JJ has some surgery. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Isn't that, that wild? That is fucking crazy. Yeah, but yeah, that's just crazy, man. Could you imagine just... I mean, that's scary. Like, you know, you tear your ACL, like, okay, you know, there's a chance I may never, may never play football again. I may never be the same player, but I know I'm going to wake up tomorrow, right? Where, you know... I mean, your heart... With only, a heart... It only your supplies your entire body with oxygen, so it's not that right. big of a deal. And the baby on the way thing, man. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. I, I can't imagine. I expect J.J. Watt to be back. I wouldn't be surprised if he has. Um, I, I don't know what to expect out of this. I mean, you, like you said, your heart's a big deal. And that's something that even a gladiator has to, uh, you know, you, you can't just fight that. You just have to take that head on. Um, I expect J.J. Watt to have a surgery. But I also, I don't know. How old is J.J. Watt, guys? I keep... 33 is 33. Wow. Yeah, this could be the end of J.J. Watt, guys. Do you think this is... Let's, let's leave it here. 
is this J.J. Watt's last season? And do you think he finishes the season? I'm going to say if if he has the heart surgery, I think he's probably going to retire midseason this year. Okay. Do you still want to do best bets? Yeah. Best bets of the week. Welcome back to best bets of the week. Uh, where me and Daniel square off head to head every week of the NFL season. We each pick four games. Daniel picks four over unders. I pick four spreads and we keep track of the record till the end of the year. And at the end of the year, there's a winner. There's a loser. Somebody takes shots. Somebody doesn't. Uh, last week I went two, one and one. Uh, my two favorite games of the week were the Thursday night game, the Bengals, that one hit. And my second favorite of the week was the Raiders. That one also hit. Uh, the Ravens pushed for me, and I don't even know what my other game was. Uh, but it did not hit. Daniel went one and three last week. He's at 500 on the season, which makes him six and six, I believe. Uh, sorry, eight and eight. So Daniel's eight and eight. I'm seven, eight and one. Uh, obviously, Daniel's not with us this week, but I do have his bets. Uh, we just don't really have an explanation for why he picked them. Uh, Daniel's first game of the week is the Chicago Bears at the Minnesota Vikings. The over under is 44, and he is taking the under, uh, which I can understand. It's a division game. These teams are going to play each other tough. The Bears definitely struggle to put up points. And you, you don't really know what to expect to get out of the Vikings. So he's got the under 44, excuse me, on the Bears-Vikings game. Daniel's second game of the week is the Lions at the Patriots. The over-under is 46 and a half. He is also taking the under in this game, which is very interesting. I don't know the exact stat, but the Lions have blown out their over-unders every single game this year. They're like an average of... 18 points or something over their over under uh, and the games they play this year. So weird to see Daniel rolling with them. Uh, obviously he's looking for a break, uh, break in the trend. I, I can see the Patriots. I could see them struggling to put up points and obviously Belichick's a good coach. He could lock down the lines a little bit and make that offense struggle, even though they've looked really good. Daniel's third game of the week. He's got the 49ers at the Panthers over unders 38 and a half. He's got the over. Uh, San Francisco's come on here a little bit. Carolina doesn't look great. Baker Mayfield's playing like dog shit. Uh, 49ers are a team that could put up 38, I believe. So I don't hate this bet. His final game of the week, the Raiders at the Chiefs. Over-under is 51. He's taking the over. Uh, two higher-powered offenses. Uh I personally probably would leave this game alone just because of how high scoring or how high the over-under is, but um, two high-powered offenses, he's taking the over. We'll get into my games here real quick. We'll do a little rundown. I've got Texans at the Jaguars. Texans are getting seven. I think I like that Texans getting seven here. That's what I'm going to take. Uh, again, divisional game. I expect it to be close. Even though the Jags have looked really good, um, I just I think this game is going to be closer than we expect. I think I think people think that the Jaguars are better than they are, even though they've looked really good. But I got the Texans plus seven and a half at the Jags. My second game of the week: uh, Chargers at the Browns. Cleveland's getting two and a half. 
I'm taking Cleveland here, even though here, here's my reasoning. And I've hit on a couple of these lately. They've been my favorite bets of the week. Um, two and a half doesn't seem like enough. Like you, you would expect the chargers to be getting more points here, but they're not. So I'm sure everybody's betting real heavy on the chargers, which is probably exactly what Vegas wants. So I'm assuming that Vegas thinks the game's going to go the other way. I know Cleveland isn't a high-powered team right now, but they have been playing really tough. So give me the Browns plus two and a half. I think, uh, you know, this could be a trap game for those uh, Chargers betters. Third game of the week, uh, the Eagles at Arizona. Uh, I think that was the bet I lost this week was the Eagles game, uh, which makes sense. I expected them to fall. Uh, Arizona's getting five and a half. Eagles are the last undefeated team in football. Which we should they are. we didn't talk about that, but I think um, this is the earliest that there's only been one undefeated team. So I don't want to get too far into that. Hopefully, let's let's I go ahead. We'll, we'll I'll wait. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, that's why I'm I'm betting the Cardinals plus five and a half. Right, it's the same reason I bet whoever the Eagles were playing last week. I they've got to lose at some point. You know, I think there's a chance. You know, as good as the Eagles look, they've kind of had an easy schedule. And I think there's just a chance that they're going to level out at some point. So Arizona has got Kyler Murray. He's capable of bringing teams back. He, you know, he, he struggles sometimes, but he can definitely win football games. And I think a lot of people, the Cardinals have been playing really bad. The Eagles have been playing really good. I think a lot of people think that five and a half is not enough for the Eagles. So again, I kind of like Arizona getting the five and a half to break the Eagles streak. And um, I think they could possibly win the game too. And then my last game of the week, I've got there's it's the Bengals at the Ravens. Uh, I bet the Ravens plus three last week. They lost by three, so that one was a wash. Uh, Bengals were my favorite bet of the week last week on Thursday Night Football. That one hit. I'm taking the Bengals plus three at Baltimore. Um, I think the Bengals are hitting their stride. I think that a lot of people are probably going to be betting the Ravens on this game, but I think Vegas knows that the Bengals are going to cover again. So Bengals plus three at the Ravens. You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three. Three.